Welcome to Because and Effect, the podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Becknell. Erica Daniels is an award-winning Cree and Ojibwe producer, director, and founder of Kedjik Productions. Her Winnipeg-based company has been winning awards and creating incredible content since 2017. And she's a mentor to today's youth on the value and importance of storytelling through a multitude of programs and projects. All of our young people are consuming online content. And so I feel like it's it's definitely a need and important for them to learn how to express themselves in a healthy way. I sat down with Erica Daniels to talk about Indigenous identity, filmmaking and storytelling, the importance of preserving elder knowledge, and how we can't know who we are until we know where we came from. Welcome to the Because and Effect podcast. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm now joined via Zoom by Erica Daniels. She is the founder and owner of Kijik Productions, as well as the writer and director of the Seven Sacred Laws animated series that was just released uh, earlier this year. Uh, Erica, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit uh, because you have quite a cool story. But um, before we sort of get into your history, just tell me about the Seven Sacred Laws animated series. I recently watched every single, all eight episodes. Very beautifully done. Uh, very emotional in times, too. I found myself, you know, getting a little choked up at, at certain points. But maybe just t- talk to me about uh, the impetus for this and how you got started and, and what this whole project uh, uh, meant for you. Yeah, sure. So The Seven Sacred Laws is a short uh, animated web series. There's eight episodes and each episode is roughly uh, three to four minutes. And these this this idea came from a vision um, by my elder Dave Cushane Jr. from uh, Seguin First Nation. And he's also uh, a spiritual leader of the Turtle Lodge. Turtle Lodge is also located in uh, Seguin First Nation. And that's a uh, um, really my ceremony family. That's where, you know, where I go to to partake in ceremonies and learn about my culture and my identity as an Indigenous woman. And so I've uh, I've had a relationship with with that lodge for more than 10 years. And that's kind of where I where I went to reconnect with my roots and my identity and, and um, you know, work with the elders. And so that work has been probably the most rewarding work that uh, that I do. And um, it's really important for me to um, you know, reconnect and share that. And being a storyteller, I think that was really my my gift as as a storyteller is to to use that to help um, our elders share that knowledge and to share those important teachings for next generations and for also um, you know to educate other people about who we are um, prior to contact and you know really use this medium to help others um, rediscover who they are as well. Beautifully said. Yeah, I've uh, worked with Elder Dave Crochet a couple times. Uh, he 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 was sort of the guiding principle. I did a video for the foundation just about the land acknowledgement and why we acknowledge the land and stuff. And he was integral in that in that in that project. Can you just tell me about what it's like? What what you uh, experienced working with him and just you know, I, I mean personally, he just he just exudes wisdom. Like Elder is just the you know he every, every story he tells is just. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about it that way. And he's got such a beautiful perspective. But what was it like for you working with him and, and working at the uh, Turtle Lodge? Yeah, like I said, like I've been I've been a part of the lodge for for 10 years now. And I he's he's my teacher. I've, you know, took so much guidance from him and it really shaped who I am today. And so just having that relationship and the, that understanding of our culture and the teachings that come from Turtle Lodge, 
uh, Dave approached me to be a part of the Seven Sacred Laws animated series and really wanted me to sort of guide it and make sure that his vision was being shared um, in the most uh, appropriate and, and you know respectful way. So um, having that understanding and that connection um, to the stories that he shares, to the teachings that he shares, um, I really, he felt that I was best to to have that involvement and to kind of take the lead on on guiding the the overall vision in the story. So um, I was able to, you know, take his vision and put that into each vignette and really kind of frame the story and making sure that, you know, it's really um, following the vision that he had. And yeah, it was, it was so amazing. Like it was uh, just being asked, I was very honored just, just to be involved because the seven sacred laws are such important teachings that, you know, a lot of people are aware of, but the, but um, you know, this is a really unique perspective coming from Dave and how those animals came to him because it is a, it is a story um, a personal story that when he, of him being on a vision quest when those animals came to him so um, being able to share that and you know and putting the visuals to it and and uh, bringing people from all nations into the lodge to listen to him share this this vision was was so incredible so um, again like it, it, working with him has just been such an honor for the past 10 years and you know I continue to work with them and and the elders council with the turtle lodge to make sure and ensure that um, that their wisdom is captured and, you know, that, that wisdom will never be lost. And so it's through video and storytelling that I contribute to, to helping them. Well, it's beautifully shot. Um, the, the fire is, is gorgeous and just all the kids, not just kids, but kids and adults sitting and watching just sort of silently in awe of uh, Elder Corshane was beautifully, beautifully shot. So well done there. What, what, what's your... Um, artistic inspiration where does that come from have you always been an art artist have you always been a storyteller where where did this sort of drive originate in you hmm. well as a child i always loved being creative i used to write my own stories i remember being in like elementary school and and writing my own like um little stories and creating my own little books and with drawing like illustrating and drawing pictures to them um i also used to uh play with my my grandma's little video camera she had and I'd play with my my cousins and we would we would make like scary movies and stuff like that and I'd always be the director and, and telling them what to do and so mm -hmm. doing like being a being a storyteller and being you know having that uh that that eye for for story and and visuals it was something that was always there um and you know I, I loved photography growing up and even in high school I really um, took advantage of the different the different trainings um, that they had there about with graphic design. So it's something I've always just been interested in. And it's when I um, when I was in high school when I was introduced to a program called Just TV that was ran out of the Broadway Neighborhood Center is when um, I was really able to advance at that talent that I had. And um, yeah, that program really it really saved my life. I mm -hmm. I, I often tell people because. Um, during that time in when I was in, you know, when I was in my teen years, um, I was struggling um, with, you know, making the right decisions in my life. And so um, that program really kind of took took me and showed me my potential and showed me what, 
you know, what was out there. And, and it also is where I actually was able to connect with Dave and reconnect and, and connect with um, ceremonies. So that was a really the beginning of my whole entire journey was starting through that program at, at Just TV. Um, that's where I was able to learn all the skills of video production, music production, um, and even just growing as a person and learning how to public speak and mm. just all the opportunities that came, you know, I, I was able to get so many different job opportunities just from being a part of that program and, and learning from the mentors there. And, you know, those mentors are still a part of my life today. Um, we actually work together now. So it's a really full circle story. But again, like that, that organization is where, where it all started for me. And I continue to have, you know, that support from them. And I'm just honored that uh, I was able to find that place because again, I wouldn't be where I am today without them, you know, both spiritually and both with within my career. It's such a cool program. And it may like looking back on it, I, I'm like, I wish I had that when I was a kid, you know, having the opportunity to have hold a camera in your like, you know, thousands of dollars of equipment and like be able to play with it and tell stories and start down that path. Have you considered now that you're, you know, such a successful filmmaker and director and producer and everything the, you now have the ability to be a mentor and to pass down your knowledge and abilities? Have you have you thought about that at all? Has that? Oh, know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I run a, a number of programs, actually. Uh, currently, I'm working with Southeast uh, uh, South Child and Family Services, where we run programming for, for youth um, Mondays and Fridays. We do cool. video production programming, so very similar to Just TV. Um, we provide that training to to youth and care, um, as well as working with Ghani Kanijik. I've been with them for the past, I think, going on seven years, but we do an annual program where we're working with their young people and teaching them how to do some storytelling and um, getting them, you know, hands-on with the equipment and getting them to produce their own, their own short films. Um, I've awesome. also ran some programs specifically for Indigenous women, um, technical programs where they can learn hands-on with, with uh, you know, cameras and all different sort of equipment because within this industry, there, there isn't very many Indigenous women. And so that's one thing that I'm always very supportive of is bringing up the next um, generation of Indigenous women filmmakers. So definitely uh, mentorship is a huge part of, of what the work that I do because uh, it was having that as a young person and having those mentors in my life who've guided me and who've continued to be there for me like I want to be able to provide that to others as well and yeah just like having I think the pro those type of programs are so important for our young people today because you know technology is such plays such a huge role especially now mm -hmm. and you know all of our young people are consuming online content and so I feel like it's it's definitely a need and important for them to learn how to express themselves in a healthy way. And I think using tools such as music or um, video or even poetry or anything like that, like being artistic and being able to express themselves is a way for them to heal and let out a lot of things that are that they're holding inside. Because I know for me, like that's what truly helped me also heal from from my own past stuff, you know, sure. was, was, was having that that artistic ability to share and to create. Yes, very well said. I'm in the exact same boat, you know, like back in, in my high school, we used to always just run around with little camcorders. This was kind of during the jackass days. So we did a lot of oh, yeah. um, <laughs> sillier videos, maybe. And I'm kind of glad that, you know, not everyone had a cell phone in their pocket back then because yeah. we did some, <laughs> some some silliness things. But what, what, what are your favorite stories to tell nowadays? I know, obviously, you know, passing indigenous knowledge down used to be only almost an oral history right and now we have the technology and the ability and the and the motivations to to get those on video and to get those in songs and different things so like 
how has that approach changed, you know, sort of trying to capture the oral history that's been passed down for millennia and now get it into permanence through video and through song and through everything that you do? Yeah. The, the times have definitely changed. Like um, previously, you know, a lot of the times there was, there wasn't that many indigenous storytellers, you know, not even that long ago. Um, it's just more recently that we're seeing a lot more indigenous storytellers emerging. And so, Prior to like there was a lot of non-Indigenous people that would come into communities and share our stories. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like a lot of the times um, that relationship wasn't um, equal because, um, you know, sometimes our, our, our communities would feel as if their stories were being taken and nothing was giving back to the community. So in the work that I do, that's so important to make sure that we're working with the community and the community has say, because this is their story. It's not my story. It's their story. So when I go and when I when I'm doing things, you know, I always make sure like, am I right? Am I the right person to tell this story? That's a question that I always ask myself before I go and and work on a, a specific project. But um, also, when you talk about the oral history and, you know, that stuff was never allowed to be captured before. Um, it's only in recent times that people are being more open to allowing video and recording to happen in these sacred spaces. And, and um, I think why that's changing is because we're realizing that our knowledge is, you know, it's, it's, it's leaving with our elders. And um, right now we're in such a crucial time of healing and you know, with, with everything that's happening in the world, you know, with the discovery of, you know, the, the children that were, that were found um, on the, on the, the lands of the residential schools right now, people are starting to realize like how important it is for us to go back to our, our roots, to our, to learn our identity of who we truly are, you know, prior to colonization. And so doing that through video, I feel is, the best way that we're going to reach a wider audience mm. and how we're going to reach young people as well. Because again, like technology, especially, you know, with COVID um, everything is online. So I feel that the elders have that understanding of the importance of capturing this knowledge so that it's never lost mm. and also being able to cater to a younger audience and, you know, grab their attention. And I think that's why the seven sacred laws is such an important way of, you know, how we use the animation and how we brought them into that sacred space. Like visually, I feel like that's like, that was the goal was to, to really reach that younger audience, the children, the youth, and being able to just give them a glimpse of how beautiful, of a culture that we come from and what we have to share and offer to society. And I think that's just sort of opening the doors for people to um, be invited into that circle, be invited into that space and sort of see the values that we as Indigenous people live by. What you're saying right now of, you know, am I the right person to tell these stories? It, it's one of the laws is humility, right? Like being able to look at yourself and say like, okay, am I? And I think a lot of the, you know, video, I don't know if exploitation is too strong a word, but there's certainly been things in the past where people have come in, outsiders have come in and said like, we're going to, we're going to tell your story. And there's no humility at all in, in those moments, you know, like, so has this all, have you, when you were first starting out in just TV, did you always have the, the that level of humility? Has it been a learned uh, experience and, and maybe all of this, all of the laws have those been sort of growing in you or do you feel like it's always been there? What, what, what would you say? Well, I definitely feel it's always been there. Um, like, as as a young person growing up in in the inner city of Winnipeg, I I was never taught 
these laws. I never was taught my culture. It was something that I was later introduced to in my teen, my early teen years. And so that's when I started connecting with it. But, Mm -hmm. but once I was introduced to it, I felt the connection, like that was something that was missing in my life. Mm -hmm. And so just hearing those, those natural laws that we live by, like it, it was just something that almost like it was relearning like and remembering like almost like blood memory of like something that was always missing so that's what was so important once I started to connect with that but you know again like obviously like growing you know it took years it takes years and it will continue to take years to live by and follow those laws but you know it's it's important to to look at each of them and, and, and incorporate them into your life as best as you can and that's something I'm we're every single person is constantly reminding themselves of. And I think that's why it's important that we watch them and we listen to the elders and what they're, they're teaching us because sometimes we, we fall off and it's, and it's easy to do that when we're living in such a fast paced, you know, technology driven world is we, we fall off and we forget, but that's why, that's why we gather in, in those ceremonies. That's why we have the, you know, like the full moon ceremonies and all the different gatherings throughout the year is so that we're, we're connected to spirit and we're reminded of spirit and what spirit has to offer and how spirit guides us in our lives, because it's important for us to acknowledge that part. You know, it's, we're not just physical beings, we're spiritual beings. And so that's why our connection to, you know, ceremony is so vital in, 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 in just growing as a person and, and being reminded of those teachings of, of and where we come from. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it definitely takes time. It's going to continue to take time. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to be practicing those and being reminded like how to live a good life and how to live, you know, um, my elder says, my elder Dave always says that teaching of uh, is to be a living being of kindness mm-hmm. and, you know, always remembering to, to carry that kindness. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's something that uh, is just truly important to all of indigenous people, but something I really strive to, to be, um, mindful of and, and live those laws and walk in, in a good way throughout my career and yeah. just personally. Beautiful. Yeah, it was really be- beautiful how you captured, there were so many like kids just looking wide-eyed at Elder Dave as he read those stories and, and then the animation. It's such a beautiful project. I, I was really, really impressed. Um, I, I noticed in the credits as well, you had uh, um, uh, Jeff Newman in the credits and we've had him on the podcast a few a few maybe year time is very weird for me yeah. I don't know if it was months ago or years but uh what was it like working with Jeff and and I saw he was a producer on the on the show so like yeah. maybe maybe in a bigger perspective like you now have this community that you've created this you know and been a part of for so long what's it like sort of being a part of the community now of, and you're one of the you know leading voices in this community but what what's it like sort of having all these different people and and producers and, and helpers and friends that are that are helping you with your projects and that that you're uh, connecting with in that way yeah well just starting with um like just knowing jeff newman and getting the opportunity having the opportunity to work with him like that was um, amazing. Like he, he, and it was interesting how that sort of came about. Um, Turtle Lodge contacted me and wanted me to be a part of this this uh, this series um, early on, and I, I just wasn't a, I wasn't didn't know too much information. We haven't we didn't meet about it yet or anything. And then Jeff Newman actually contacted me 
around the same time and said, hey, I have this, this really great project. I'd love for you to be a part of it. And so both of them were, were referring me to the same, like, to the same project. And they, they didn't realize that like we, they, that they both knew me. So um, like when they, when they realized, like they both put my name forward and they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is exactly, it was meant to be like, she was perfect, perfect for this position. And so they brought me on and um, you know, I, it was, it was, I really appreciated the way that Jeff brought me in on the project and how he really took a step back and sort of took that, that role of understanding that this wasn't his story to tell. And I really respect that um, because that doesn't happen very often. You know, a lot of the times it's very controlled and those are the type of projects that I kind of take a, take a step back um, because I do feel it's important if you're, if, if an Indigenous story is being shared, it needs to be shared by an Indigenous person who has that lived experience and who understands the teachings, the communities and everything. You know, it, that's so important for, for people and non-Indigenous story or yeah, non-Indigenous storytellers to understand is that you have to respect that relationship and give those opportunities to the up and coming generations mm-hmm. of storytellers. So Jeff was amazing at, you know, just opening up that, that, that relationship and making sure that we work together in a really respectful way and that he allowed me as a storyteller um, to sort of take that lead and mm-hmm. you know because because of my my relationship with Dave as well and and knowing that and living by those teachings and understanding them um, Jeff really just you know took a back seat and sort of helped guide it but taking making sure that um, myself and Dave were the, were the, you know, being mm-hmm. able to lead that vision. So I really respected that. And I, and I let him know that many of times where I, I just let him know how important the work that he was doing was and how his relationship of, of, of how he was working with me was, was so important. And like that, that needs to happen. That needs to continue to happen with all, you know, productions. And, and when it comes to um, telling indigenous stories, yeah, beautifully said. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, you, you mentioned the youth a lot so far and just how, <laughs> I mean, I'm certainly glad that I don't have to grow up in the, you know, Instagram, TikTok generation right now, but kids, I don't think realize that they are con as much as they're consuming content, they are also potentially content creators. Uh, so when you're working with the youth in, in the programming that you do, what's your approach right now? Because <laughs> I'm curious, Obviously, it's a crazy world out there. There's so many different things coming at kids from every single angle. And and how do you sort of try to prepare them for this world where they're still learning who they are themselves and, and who and what their stories are? But how do you help them navigate this craziness that they're being brought up in right now and, and this constant barrage of, of craziness that's that's always just coming at them? Yeah. Um, like I was saying earlier, too, like it's... Uh it's so important for them to to share their stories. So the main thing is always reminding them that is everybody has a story to share and they all like, and especially for like the young people that I work with, they're all like just being introduced to their culture, their identity and, and understanding that. So that's a huge part of the work that we do with, with the young people that we work with, but it's about giving them opportunity to share their voice. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the times the the young people that we work with are very shy and um, afraid to sort of 
share what's inside because you know for a lot of us it's hard to open up and and to share what's really inside so one of the one of the techniques that I usually use when working with young people is um, giving them the opportunity to share their ideas on paper in sort of a setting where they're not exposing to the whole entire group because Mm -hmm. that's when you that's when I find that they're they're closed off and they but then once you give them an opportunity to to share their ideas without you know the fear of people judging them or anything like that that's when you get amazing ideas like I've seen so many incredible ideas and then you know once we once we everybody gathers all of their ideas and we we put them on the board you know without disclosing where they come from there's just lists and lists of ideas and they're just I'm just blown away because when I first asked them, like, do you guys have any ideas? There's no hands, there's nothing. So it's just finding, finding and working with them at where they, where they're at. You know, some people are very outgoing. Some people are very shy. So it's finding that way of, of making sure everybody has a voice and then allowing them to take the lead in, mm-hmm. in sharing their, their stories. So often, you know, if we we're putting together, we have, we can, we can do one film or we can do multiple films, um, allowing them to sort of decide what story is important for them. And a lot of the times it's always stories about their communities or about their, their struggles, because they're seeing this as an opportunity to have a voice and express themselves in a creative way. So, and that's so important, like, again, like how, how this, this platform of video production and and having YouTube and TikTok and all these, these ways of, for them to actually share their voice, because a lot of the times our young people will feel silenced. They don't feel like they have a voice or that, you know, people are listening to them because, you know, they're, they're young, but they're, what they have to share is so important, especially if we want to change things for the future, we need to listen to our young people. Very well said. Yeah. And they're just finding their voices too, right? I I think you're, you're in a unique position because you went through the exact same you know, situation a lot of times that I'm sure some of the youth are going through now. Um, do you feel like now your voice is fully um, realized or are you still sort of finding your way? Um, I would say, like, again, like I, I'm always going to be searching for my full potential and, and the message that I'm here to share. Um, I, uh, I'll never be done learning mm. and sharing. So, but I do feel like, um, I've made it to a point where I'm confident in, in what I I'm here to do and what my gifts are and my purpose in this world. And, you know, really sharing that for other people and helping other people um, realize their own gifts, because that's one of the things I feel is very important for our young people to, to realize is that they're here, they were here for a purpose and it's important for them to sort of explore different opportunities for them to find what they're good at and what, what their purpose on earth here is because mm-hmm. once they understand that and you know and it all starts by by connecting to their spirit and their culture and their 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 history they need to know that first in order for them to know where they're going in the future they need to know where they come from um that's the first step and then then they'll realize and, and find out why are they here they, they'll they'll connect to that and then they'll have their purpose and then they'll be happy you know it all it also it takes steps to get to where you want to be in this in this world but it's all about the first step of just knowing your identity of who you are yeah um in the the eagle episode that represents love it was all about like you have to love yourself before you can get, show love to others oh, yeah. it was very very powerful stuff what are you working on now what's what's next for you I, I know you just said you came back from bc you were filming something there but what, what what's the next big project on the uh, on the go for you 
Well, I have multiple projects on the go. It's it's always hard. People ask me that question. They're like, oh, what are you working on? I'm like, I, I don't know. There's so many. It's like a list of things that I'm working on always. I'm a, I've become a very good multitasker. Nice. <laughs> and uh, you know what? Right now, I'm really focused on um, growing Kijik Productions. We're, we're, we've been super busy, um, especially since COVID, because everything is online. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of different organizations and corporations are wanting um, online content, whether it's training videos or promotional material or whatever it is. Um, and you know, it's, it's been, it's been very good business throughout and I've been very honored to work with many different organizations and, um, majority of our clientele are all indigenous organizations. So that's really important for me because I get to connect with community. I get to, you know, always, um, be a part of the community and what's going on and help the community share their voices. So that's, that's a big, that's a big part. That's so rewarding about the work that we're doing. Um, but then I'm also, you know, trying to balance that with, with filmmaking because they are two different worlds. So that that's where I am just trying to balance it. So, um, you know, we did the seven sacred laws that was premiered in, in June. And then I also just released um, a short documentary that I did with through the NSI program, the National Screen Institute um, and DigiDocs program that was released um, this past July as well. So filmmaking and storytelling, like that's, that's my passion. And that's like where all my time is dedicated to it as well as mentorship and, and helping, uh, you know, the next generation. And we're just really focused on growing. So I'm just looking for supports to, to grow Kijik and to be able to provide more opportunities to emerging Indigenous filmmakers. Um, I'm, I've just recently pitched uh, in Powell Pitch yesterday, which is a, a national or international uh, indigenous uh, pitch competition, a oh. uh, business pitch competition. So, um, you know, that's, that's a, that was a big, uh, I made it uh, top 150 out of 1600 uh, wow. internationally. So that's a big thing that I'm working on right now. And just trying to get supports to, to grow and expand the business to be able to hire more indigenous people to, to come in and work hands on here. Could you ever have imagined this level of not only not- awards that you've been, you're an award-winning filmmaker, everything, like, take me back 10 years. If you would have talked to yourself 10 years ago, could you have even thought that this was all this, all this potential could have ever happened? Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, when I was younger, it was, it was, I never really kind of, like, I always set goals for myself. Um, but you know, I just, I, I sort of lived day by day and I just, I never saw myself as a businesswoman. Mm. It wasn't about that. It was about a passion of storytelling. And so I didn't really see myself like having a business. I was just doing it. I was doing what I loved. Mm. I was, I was helping tell stories and I was, you know, being creative and that, that was all such important work. And, and I loved it. You know, I never, I never had a job where I was, I didn't feel like, um, dreading to come to because I was always storytelling um, because of just TV uh, all the opportunities that I had were all jobs within the industry just building up my my portfolio and just building my knowledge and and you know working my way I never went to school for this it was all just hands-on training work, learning from my mentors and then learning hands-on through the different jobs that I had so it took it was it was years of that right and then mm-hmm. eventually I, I realized like um, it was about I had a choice, you know, I was working at CBC at the time, um, as a, as a associate producer for the show unreserved and I was doing all videos for them. And, um, I was at a point where I realized like it was rather, um, working, working here full time or else going out on my own 
And I realized that I wanted to be able to work with multiple people at, at one time and to work with, you know, to help the entire community tell their stories mm-hmm. and sort of tell it in a way where there was no restrictions um, because that's what we need. We need to be able to share our stories without, you know, anybody sort of controlling it. Like it needs to come from us. So um, that decision was the best decision I've ever made was just going out on my own and, 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 you know, being an entrepreneur. But again, I didn't see myself as an entrepreneur. It wasn't mm-hmm. about that. It was, I was a storyteller. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it definitely evolved and, never would have imagined I'd be here today like today um, you know the, the business is is doing well it's thriving and you know I we have an office space on an urban reserve so that was a big milestone and I'm just constantly working on setting goals and um, you know putting together vision maps and, and trying to um, achieve my next step into in growing um, the work that we're doing it's incredible uh, it's a great story it's a beautiful story have you uh, I, I keep thinking about the sort of dichotomy of an entire generation of indigenous storytellers were actually attempted to be silenced, attempted to be erased, attempted to be, you know, like destroyed essentially. And now you have the opportunity to sort of, um, revitalize, revitalize the perfect word. Yeah. Like, have you, have you thought about that responsibility and, and how that has affected your work at all? And just, you know, now, there, there's such a movement and a global movement to tell Indigenous stories and to lift up Indigenous voices. And and obviously we have a long way to go still, but but what are your thoughts on, on sort of this revitalization that you're yeah. a part of? Well, like, I, like I've always been a part of this work. It's been so important to me, you know, making sure that our stories are captured and shared because, um, you know, these stories were they tried to take this away from us. They tried to take our culture. They tried to take our language, our ceremonies. Um, you know, we were, we were forbidden to practice our own, our own ceremonies, like, and wasn't even that long ago. And and the last residential school closed in 1996. Like we have to be mindful that it wasn't that long ago when we weren't allowed to be who we are. And if you think about it, like we're, I always look at, like, I'm always very proud to say that, you know, I am Anishinaabe Cree. I, I survived like my my ancestors my bloodline survived and so that's something that when I think about that like I I guess I get emotional and when I see the successes that are happening within our community like I was watching I I seen a commercial today um uh, like I think it was like a, a superstore commercial and there was an indigenous man on there and like that makes me emotional when I see our people doing so well in the community, just being recognized because we never seen, we never used to see that. And so having, you know, like the, the leadership that we have now and the people that are really taking a stance and giving our community a voice, just, it's, it's amazing to see. And, you know, and I'm honored to, to be a part of that and to help uh, make sure that, you know, our, our, our communities are revitalized and that the next generation has something important you know, to be a part of and the work that they need to do as well. Like, you know, we have to all work together and to make sure that that we are, um, you know, overcoming the challenges and the hardships that our communities have went through. And I think that's the most important thing we can do to honor our ancestors. It's going to take generations to get back to the point that we need to be. But I mean, you're doing incredible work. You've you've gained a new fan for sure. I'm going to be a consumer of all your stuff moving <laughs> forward. Um, 
is there any for, for people listening right now that think, oh, this would be a cool work, you know, want to join your workshops? Where's the best way to sort of get it, get a hold of you and get a hold and contact, get in contact with you for things? Yeah, um, people can definitely find me on the website. So kijikproductions.com is the best way you'll find my all my information on there. Um, we're also on, on Facebook and Instagram. So social is networks are also a way to get a hold of me, but um, definitely check out the website and some of the work that we've done. And yeah, I'm, I'm always, I love being able to share, um, you know, my story, but as well as, as the important knowledge that my elders have taught me you know I, I love being able to share that with with younger audiences as well indigenous and non-indigenous you know i think it's important for everybody to have an understanding of of our teachings and our uh, our role here so beautiful so k-e-j-i-c productions.com k-e-g or sorry k-e-j-i-c productions.com yes. just for people who are listening awesome well erica at the end of our time together we do a segment called just because where it's same seven questions all about the causes that you care about and the effect that it has on your life thus the the cause and effect uh, are you okay to go through those seven with us yeah for sure okay great question one what's the very first cause you ever remember caring about i think the first cause i ever remember caring about was what we were just talking about was cultural revitalization mm. I, I you know and also um um protection of the land is something that uh you know i i learned from my elders and like learned the importance of it and, and how mother earth, you know, is a living being and we need to take care of her and we need to protect her. Yeah. I, uh, as I've learned more about indigenous knowledge and ways of knowing it, it boggles my mind seeing the world right now and in the state that it's in when it comes to how people are treating the environment. And it's like, if, had we not just been following these teachings we wouldn't be in this situation that we're in. So it's very frustrating to me to see like the state of the world when we had this knowledge available and we just chose to try to ignore it and erase it. And it's just, it's very frustrating to think about, but that's a bit of an aside right now. Uh, question two, if money and politics and logistics were no issue at all for you, you could just snap your fingers and something would happen. What's the first thing you would do in support of your current cause? I would support our elders and, and create a space, just like the work that they're doing today is is creating a, a space across Canada that young people can go to and sit with the elders and, and be on the land and learn off the land and just really revitalizing our whole entire, um, like our, everything about our culture, like having the young people being a part of those ceremonies, learning their language, learning the songs and going back to that way, which I don't understand why there's no support in that. Because if you think about, you look at what they took away and what they try to destroy, it's like, well, how do you fix that? What truth and reconciliation? You want to talk about that? Well, what, what's the main thing here is, well, support our practices, support our ceremony support like the elders and with with no strings attached just allow us to have that opportunity to bring this back and to help our young people like that's what we need we need we need to end the cycle of intergenerational trauma and that's where it's going to begin is with within our lodges but there's 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 not enough support that's made available in order for our elders to achieve that but no matter what it doesn't take money to do that it just takes heart it takes time and that's what we're doing 
beautifully said. Yeah, we spent some time at Turtle Lodge, I think last summer with Dave, with Elder Dave, and like that model needs to be replicated across the country. And you know, like there should be a Turtle Lodge in every city yeah. across the country. That's what he's. That what he's. That's what he's working towards. Like that's that was the dream and that was the vision. You know, is to have Turtle Lodges. That that the the main Turtle Lodge here would give birth to Turtle Lodges across the country across internationally yeah. it doesn't matter where but that's that's so important yeah he's he's a legend i I'm, I'm glad to have you know just been in his presence for sure mm. uh question three what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about your cause well i think a lot of people i think they're you know things are changing now but um you know prior to people realizing um you know the the truth uh i think there was a lot of um, discrimination and stereotypes towards Indigenous people. And, you know, going back and in, in my younger, looking at my younger self, um, you know, I, I used to be ashamed of who I was as an Indigenous person because I didn't, I wasn't aware of who I truly was. I didn't understand, I never was a part of ceremonies. I never seen that. I seen, I seen what society wanted us to see, you know, a lot of the, the hardships that people were facing. And so, there was a point in my life where I was ashamed of who I was, but it wasn't until, you know, I was introduced to the, the culture is when, and learning the history um, is when I, I started to understand and become really proud of who I am. And I really try to share that with other younger people because you'd be surprised at how many young people feel that same way until they see and understand that they're part of something so beautiful and that the first step they need to do is just take that step into um, finding the right places to go and learn about who they are. Yeah, exactly. It's it's such a it's an absolute tragedy how many kids you know are probably basing their self worth on terrible stereotypes that aren't true, as opposed to like the truth of yeah. their history and their ancestors and everything. Yeah, and then as well as as the non-indigenous community too, like just you know, unfortunately, like it's there's very there's there's so much ignorance that's out there and not enough people willing to take the time to understand and learn of why we have so much, um, you know, struggles within our community, yeah. but, but also understanding what, what, like what people are doing to, to help and, and to grow past this and to overcome, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, what the intergenerational trauma has caused. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Uh, question four, what's a recent victory either personally or professionally that you're proud and would like to share? Well, um, definitely finishing the seven sacred laws. That was a huge one this year that I was so proud of and honored to be able to share Dave's vision and, and doing that in the best way possible. That was, that was a big one for me this year. Um, as well as, uh, you know, just the work that I'm doing within the business and growing the business. Um, this past March, I was, uh, rec- or I received the Canadian council for Aboriginal business, young entrepreneur award. So that was nice. a huge, uh, um, recognition that I was very, very grateful to receive. So, uh, yeah, those are probably the two, the two biggest things right now that I'm very, very proud to achieve. Rightfully so. You're on a beautiful path. I, I love to hear it. Thank you. Uh, question five, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? The best piece of advice I would, I would say, um, was something I shared earlier, um, was that term, Gijiatiziwin is to be a living a living being of kindness and that's something um that that teaching that dave shares that was received from his grandmother um mm. just of how to walk in the world and and live to live that good life um those teachings are something that i always carry 
in, in my everyday life and something that I remind myself of um, all the time and just that would probably be the best best piece of advice I would say. It is treat others with kindness, you know? Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> beautiful. Uh, question six, what advice would you give your 10-year-old self if you could go back in time and talk to her? Going back to myself, um, what I would say to my younger self is to is to just um, have have the confidence to be who you want to be and and to you know not be afraid to be yourself. Um, yeah, I would just say also you know really embrace who you are and share that with the world. Well said. Yeah, I'm 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 assuming that's some of the uh, knowledge that you pass down to the kids that you work with now and your in your in your different projects and things as well. Hey, mm-hmm. oh, it's yeah, just it's sure. just such a common ailment that kids have of like, I, you know, this, the lack of confidence. And as soon as they can, they can get that either by finding their voice or telling stories or learning about themselves. It's just such a profound, beautiful thing. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, question seven, what do you want to be remembered for? Well, I would like to be remembered for the work that I'm doing today. Um, the main thing is really, um, being an advocate and a support to our elders and the knowledge that they carry. Um, and as well as, you know, one day just being that person that other young people can look up to um, and carrying that knowledge. I want to, I want to, the work that I'm doing right now, you know, I feel it's so important to capture the knowledge from the elders and to be able to carry that forward. So, you know, it's going to, it's going to take a whole lifetime and beyond that to be, to have that knowledge, but, you know, I'm, I'm willing to do the work that I need to do in, in order to make sure that, um, that we're, that we're capturing and sharing that. And, you know, maybe one day when I'm in my seventies or eighties, you know, I'll, I'll be somebody who people will come to for that knowledge that I've, that I've been so blessed to receive over mm-hmm. my lifetime. Beautifully said, Erica, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Erica Daniels is the writer, director, and founder of Kijik Productions. If you go to Kijik, K-E-J-I-C, productions.com, you can learn all about her and her story. Thank you for sharing it with us today. Uh, good luck in the future, and, and just thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful just to be able to share my journey and you know some of the teachings that, that I've been taught by my elders. I'm very, very honored. So miigwech. Thank you. Thank you again to Erica. Very, very honored and humbled to have you on the podcast. It was an honor to speak with you. And thank you for listening. Um, I understand that there's so many podcasts out there for so many different uh, things and ideas being shared. And I appreciate you listening to this one. Because in Effect is a podcast of the Winnipeg Foundation. If you want to learn more about the foundation, visit WPGFDN.org or search at WPGFDN on all social media platforms. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Bye-bye.